a young woman has a horrific dream, which becomes even more terrifying when she finds out it's based on real events. And then we meet a man who is abducted by aliens and has one of the most bizarre close encounters we've ever covered. But is it possible that this absolutely ridiculous alien abduction story may give us a clue to fight off the inhuman invasion? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Happy New Year's. If you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, New Year's Eve, whatever. You guys are like, Jason, yeah, that's cool and all. What's, what's wrong with your voice? Are you doing a uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. impersonation? Uh, no, I'm t- <laughs> You know, uh, everyone loves my wheezing laugh. Yeah, I'm pretty... I, I'm not sick. I'm honestly not sick, and this isn't a law of attraction thing where I'm trying to will it. You're like, Jason, you sound pretty sick. No, it's just a post-nasal drip. Uh, these can last anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months. So if this voice is making your own throat hurt, I'm sorry. I'm trying to take care of it as quickly as possible. But someone who never gets sick, someone who has the immune system of a rampaging bull... Running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Dog Da Booty Hunter. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Yeah! Yeah! Let me try clearing my throat here. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Yeah! Woohoo! Dog! Running on into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Dog, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Dog, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Dog Da Booty Hunter has helped spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. On social media through his Spotify Wrapped. That's a really good way to get the word out about the show. If you guys can't support the show financially through the Patreon or the merch store or anything like that, just help get the word out. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Really appreciate it, guys. Dog, let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Why don't you drive us all the way out to the land of dreams? You're like, Jason, I'm having a really hard time paying attention. You sound terrible. <clears throat> I don't, I'm not in any pain. I'm doing just fine. It's just, it is a little annoying, though. I apologize. I don't know. Maybe it's sexier. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to keep this. Maybe I'll have to... Smoke four packs a day if you guys are really liking this whole new Jason, nouveau Jason, however you say it. Dog the Booty Hunter. <laughs> that's such an old, that's such a dated reference, too. Anyways, Dog the Booty Hunter. It's still a good name. Dog the Booty Hunter is driving us out to the land of dreams. We're passing by a bunch of sleeping children. We're like, shh, watch out. Don't run, them, don't run them over. The kids wake up. They're like, ah, my legs, my legs. And this horrible dream. A bunch of people in an old-timey car ran over my legs. On purpose, by the way. Now we're in the world of nightmares. And we're about to meet this young woman. She didn't give her real name. We'll call her Tina. Tina said back in the year 2021, she had a horrible nightmare. She's walking through an abandoned old house. 
All of a sudden, Tina falls through the floorboards. Ah! She begins tumbling through the darkness. And she sees a rope. A lifeline. A literal lifeline. And she grabs for it. She's able to grab onto this rope, but she realizes she's holding onto a noose. She's swinging there in the darkness. Hanging by a noose. And she looks down, and at the bottom of this shaft is the broken body of a young girl. And Tina's, like, completely freaking out. One, like, once she realized she was holding onto a noose, that would be pretty shocking to begin with. But then to see this dead girl at the bottom of this pit she began screaming even louder, and she said that when Tina woke up, she said that the whole experience was, quote, so insanely palpable and unforgettable. It was literally unlike any other nightmare I'd ever had. It was less like a dream and more like an experience. Like she had actually gone through this. She had this dream back in 2021, and Tina goes, you know, I thought about it, and it was more than just, she knew it was more than just a regular run-of-the-mill dream. And she said, I kind of started putting pieces together. She goes, what I feel that was, and I don't know where it came from, I don't know why I had it, but I think it's the story of a young girl who tried to kill herself. She had made this noose, and it had not worked. It was a failed attempt at suicide. She must have been trying to hang over a pit, and the noose it wasn't tight enough or whatever, and she plummeted to her death instead. I mean, she wanted to kill herself, but not like that. That'd be like saying, oh, I'm going to shoot myself in the brain, and then tripping and falling into a vat of acid face first. Right? You'd be like, well, mission accomplished, right? You wanted to die. But yeah, there's a difference between... First of all, I want to say, don't... It's not like, oh, Jason said shooting yourself's okay. I'm not saying that, but you know what I mean. Let, let's take suicide out of the question. Let's say that I get attacked by these ninjas and they overpower me. It takes like three or four hundred of them, but eventually they wear me down. And they go, we'll give you a choice. We can hang you or we can push you off a cliff. Like, what would you rather do? I'd rather be hung than pushed off a cliff because I'm not going to die immediately unless, like, as I'm falling off the cliff, I'm, like, angling my body to land head first. Because most likely you're going to be, like, flailing a lot. you probably do a belly flop on the beach. <laughs> you're like, I thought it was just the cliff. I thought it was rocks. Nah, it's a beach. The ninjas have some seafront property. Like, that would suck, actually. That'd be even worse. I'd rather fall on jagged rocks from 50 feet than a sandy beach, because then you're definitely not going to die right away. You're going to land, and you break a couple ribs, and then you're just going to lay there, and you can't move, and then the crabs show up. <laughs> like, Jason, you're just adding on to this weird scenario. It's like, oh no, the tide's coming in, I'm slowly drowning. What I'm saying is that it would suck if you did try to hang yourself, and instead it didn't work, and then you plummeted down a dark void... And you just laid there broken until you finally died. That's way worse. That's way worse. So anyways, she's thinking that's probably what happened. But this is the interesting part. She has that dream in 2021. 
it was just about a month or two ago, November, December 2023, Tina said that she had been talking to her aunt about their family tree. Tina goes, I recently became really interested in genealogy, finding about where I come from and all that stuff. I'm talking to old relatives and being like, hey, do you remember this Jimmy? It's on my family tree. And she's like, oh, yes, good old Uncle Jimmy. Taking notes. Used to play the pool hall all the time. Not very good at it. Taking notes. Anyway, so she's talking to her aunt about family tree. This aunt, she goes, hey, uh, niece. Hey, Tina. Tina, did you know the story about your grandpa's sister? And Tina's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'd ever heard of that. And the aunt's like, yeah, you know, it's an old story. Tragic story. Your grandpa had a sister. They lived together. They grew up together in this old village. Even for then, even for this time period, it was considered an old village. It's really run down. And your grandpa's sister, let's go ahead and call her Lori. Lori, one day, she was sent out to fetch water from the village well. And while she was doing this, while she was trying to get this water, an accident happened and she began to slip and fall into the well. And... Apparently, I don't know if people had witnessed this or how they had this piece of information, but the aunt was telling Tina, she goes, Lori was getting the water, and you know, it's really run down well. It's a really run down village, and not safety's not a priority here. She ends up falling into the well and attempts to grab onto the rope, the rope that has the water bucket on it. As she's falling in, she makes a last ditch effort to save herself, and she goes to grab the rope. And she misses. And she plummets down into the well and dies. It's an interesting story on multiple levels. I got this uh, online underneath the name Vrosht. I thought this was a really interesting story because, one, we have this idea of this ancestral memory. This voice. That's why Tina had the dream. It wasn't just a weird dream. It wasn't just something passing through like a spirit or a message. It was one of her blood relatives speaking to her in that dream. That's very interesting just in and of itself. She didn't even know this woman existed. She didn't know about Grandpa's sister. It happened so long ago. She might have known that Grandpa had a sister at some point, but it's not like she had never heard this story, definitely. And the aunt just kind of volunteered it. And had the aunt never told Tina about this story, as time went on, she probably would have forgotten about the dream. It definitely was a creepy dream, and she said, I never had a dream like it before. Like, waking up how terrified I was. But over time, it probably would just have been lost to all the other weird dreams we have. Maybe not, though. Maybe. But now she knows the reason why she had that dream. It was one of her long-lost relatives reaching out to her. Why? 
why? Who knows? I mean, that's, again, an interesting part of it. Like, why Tina? Why then? That That's all fascinating from a paranormal angle. What I find really interesting about the story, what, what caught me as a paranormal researcher right off the bat, was that Tina was wrong. Tina made an assumption, and she built a backstory up about it. I think you guys know by now I'm a huge nerd for not just ghost stories and ghost lore, but how we perceive it. I don't want to go on too long, because I literally could talk about this stuff for the rest of the episode, but... I think that paranormal researchers do this a lot. I think they encounter a ghost, and based on very limited clues, they will guess a backstory. They'll say, well, we know that this place used to be a middle school, and there's a ghost of a kid here. I mean, that that's a <laughs> kind of an obvious one. Okay, let's say this. We're at a haunted Walmart. Oh, you know, this is actually a perfect one. This is a perfect example. The Walmart here in Hood River is haunted. The automotive department is haunted. The people who do... I don't know if they do overnights there anymore, but the people who worked overnights did not like working in the auto department. The people who were stocking the shelves because they said it was haunted. Stuff was constantly getting knocked over. There's no customers in the store. Because then you go, it's just customers, right? Retail customers. Stuff's constantly getting knocked over. Stuff's falling off the shelves. They're packing stuff. Stuff's getting knocked over. And... I think I even said this on the podcast. My guess was what that ghost was because there was no ghostly activity until an event happened. The whole back quarter of the store used to all be fabrics and crafts. You get longtime listeners of the show may remember this story. And what happened because corporate, you know, it was super popular. People loved going there just to shop fabrics and crafts. But corporate Walmart's like, no, we need we don't need that much of a store selling linen. So they cut the fabrics and crafts department down by probably like 80% and put in a huge home improvement automotive part there. And I said, and I might have said this on the show, and I definitely said it to people locally, I go, my theory is that there was an old, because the ghostly activity did not start until the auto shop stuff showed up, until that's where all your brake lights were and your paint cans. I go, my guess was that an old woman might have, died in walmart which happens more than you would think an old or maybe she even died at home but the point is is that she loved browsing the fabrics and crafts and it was a really cool department if you're into that stuff i'm not into that stuff but people in town just love spending so much time there okay you have an old woman she loves spending time at this fabrics and crafts department and when she dies, that's where her ghost lingers because it's where she found joy she could stand there and watch young girls run in and go mama mama look this this is just the fabric i need to make our dress and she's like oh yes honey and the old woman ghost is like oh another another fabric fiend i don't know what they're called another another fabric head oh makes my heart go pitter patter and she's flown around and then they take all that stuff away and now her spirit is trapped in the middle of the tool aisle She's floating around and there's like screwdrivers for 98 cents. Hey, Dad, look, this is just the screwdriver I need to poke holes through my sister's dress. Oh, yeah, son. I'll grab a bigger tool to poke holes through your mom's clothing. <laughs> They're laughing, giving each other high fives. 
And so she starts knocking stuff over. I The only evidence I have for any of that story is that the change did happen. And I had friends who work at Walmart who would tell me about the ghost. Like, over the over years, people would... Because I would ask other people, do you know about the ghost in automotive? They're like, yeah, I don't like working over there. I don't want to talk to you about it. So my theory was... It was an old woman ghost. It's a compelling theory. It would make sense. Do I have any proof? None. But based on these clues, and I could be way off. And you go, well, Jason, what does it matter if you're off if this girl fell to her death or tried killing herself if it's an old woman ghost or if it's just a guy, ghost of an old car guy who also just likes to knock stuff over? So but what does it matter, Jason? What does it matter if the origin stories are mixed up? I think it matters for a couple different reasons. One, you would want people to... If you were walking down the street, you don't want people going, hey, man, can you fix my computer? <laughs> Throw a laptop out their window and you're like, I'm not a computer fixing guy. And they're like, yeah, but I want you to be a computer fixing guy. Like, that's not who they are. That's not who they are. And the other thing is that if you do want to help them move on, you need to know where they were first. You need to know who they were here on Earth. So I think these details are interesting i think it is important to kind of get down but it's super easy to come up with a really compelling story like that story about the old woman in the fabric department like it it hits on every level you're like hey i could see that happening and it would make sense the renovation she'd be mad she wasn't haunting knocking stuff over when it was fabrics and crafts like it makes sense but it could be a hundred different things one there could be a, a rational answer for all of it but then it could be all sorts of different ghosts and if you went in there trying to pacify that spirit and you're talking to old lady and it's really a 10 year old boy whose dad bought some new headlights and he got blinded by him and walked off a cliff <laughs> really good headlights and they were on sale and now he's haunting <laughs> he's knocking over headlights all the time he's appearing in the reflection he's like don't bite me don't bite me i'll kill your kids if you go and he's trying talking to an old woman about fabrics and crafts it's just going to piss him off more so I think we should know, or try to know, but I think it's really easy to not only make a mistake, but make a compelling mistake. Turns into a really good ghost story. Dog the Booty Hunter, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Dreamland. We didn't have an exact location for that story as well. Might be your village. Might be your poorly run-down village you're living in right now. Dog the Booty Hunter. We're leaving behind wherever that story took place. Fly us all the way out to Brazil. We're headed all the way out to Brazil. Specifically, we're headed to Pacencia. Pacencia, that is near Rio de Janeiro. Brazil. It's September 15th, 1977. I was 11 months old when this story took place. So imagine me in a little crib for the rest of the story. <laughs> I demand it. I demand it. Create a tulpa of me as a baby floating around. It's 2.20 a.m. We're about to meet this man. His name is Antonio La Rubia. 33-year-old bus driver who we will find out that how much he loves his job. And that's one of the things that makes this UFO abduction story just so bizarre. 
absolutely interesting. He wakes up at 2.28 a.m. He's going to walk to work to start his shift. Well, as he's walking across this field, it'd be super dark, right? 2.20 a.m. He's walking across this field. He sees this massive UFO, like the literal flying disc that we all think of when we hear the term. Might be one of the biggest we've come across on this show, especially in Earth's atmosphere. This one's landed. This one is on the ground. It's 235 feet across. And Antonio goes, I know how big it was like that. He's all getting radiation burns. He's like, I must know the exact dimensions. He goes, I know how big the field it was sitting in. It was bigger than the field. So that's an interesting way to measure it up. He goes, yeah, I didn't actually like walk around it with a ruler, but I know how big the field was, and it was bigger than that. He, and, and Tony goes, listen, man, I'm not one of those guys who believed in UFOs. And in the 70s, they weren't really discussed a lot in mainstream stuff. It's sci-fi, right? Weirdos believed in this. He just said, I didn't believe in UFOs, but <laughs> there's one sitting there, and it's that big. He believes in them now. He takes off running. It's terrifying. He's thinking, well, maybe I can get back in my house and get away from this thing. I don't know. I don't know. But he'll find out very quickly that he's up against something far more powerful than he could ever imagine because this bright light appears and he's paralyzed. Can't even scream. He goes, I just was completely motionless. I'm terrified. And then all of a sudden, these... Three, he calls them robots, which I guess is an apt term, but don't expect to see C-3PO walking around anytime soon. He sees these three robots. He says they're all about four feet tall. And they're just weird looking. These things, like this story just starts (laughs) starts off out the gate weird and only gets weirder. He says these robots, they had one leg with like a pedestal for a foot. They had round bodies imagine like an egg sitting on an upside down golf tee and you've pretty much done 90 percent of the heavy lifting with these guys they look like eggs that sit on this one leg that has a wide pedestal on the bottom they had this like a belt they had like this metal belt around their waist and on the metal belt, this is a bad sign, right? This would be a bad sign if you saw a human with this kind of belt. He said they're standing there, they have these belts, and they're syringes. There's a bunch of syringes attached to it, so he's not going to have a good night. Something's going in those syringes, and, I, and it's going to come out of Antonio. He said they had a kind of these big bodies. He said their skin looked like dull aluminum. And almost like scales. So it had a kind of like that that chain mail type of look to not chain mail, but scale mail type of look to them. They had a head shaped like an American football, as he described it, or as we would call it, a real football. He says they were all around four feet, but they had an antenna sticking out of the football head that put them at one and a half feet. Oh, and it's it's a football going up. It's not like what was that stupid show on Nickelodeon? Football head. 
Hey Arnold. Yeah, yeah, it's not like that. The football is turned like the football is turned upright. You're like writing all this down. You're like, uh, wait, I'm still stuck on golf tee and egg shape. They're weird looking. These are truly weird looking aliens. Robots. That'd be the only way to describe them. There's nothing biological to these things. They don't even look like they could be living. They had arms too. <laughs> They're just like regular arms. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger arms. They're like, ah, oh, I'm going to pump you up. Anyways, he's surrounded by three of these monstrosities of technology. And all of a sudden he finds himself in a mason jar. A big one. He's not shrunk down. But that, again, is one of those weird parts of the story. Like, we have these super advanced, obscure-looking, robotic invaders, and then he's just in a jar. He's just in a glass jar. There's so much of the story just is so bizarre. The incongruent would be a good way to describe it. He finds himself in a man-sized mason jar. I mean, that's just glass, right? I mean, it's not that hard to break out of a mason jar. I would assume it's harder when there's three robots standing around you, but not impossible. He still can't scream at this point. He's still paralyzed. They put him in this mason jar. They drag him aboard the spaceship. He goes, once I got inside the spaceship, I realized it was transparent. I could look out and see my house. I could see the field. And I could also see that we were taken off. We're flying around in this massive UFO. He's taken to this huge chamber. He goes, there's dozens more of these weird-looking robots, and they're just kind of going about their business, the operation of flying a UFO. At this point, he finds himself able to speak. Whether they were going... While he's being kind of, they kind of take him on this tour around this vessel. All of a sudden, he finds himself able to speak again. He's being carted around in this mason jar and he screams out, What do you want? Who are you? When he screamed out those words, he expected a response. But not the response he got. But okay. when he screamed out his words, he expected some sort of reaction, but not the reaction he got. He screamed out, what do you want? Who are you? And all of the aliens nearby him crumpled to the floor. It wasn't like they were bowing. It was almost like they were deflating. Or whatever was holding them, powering them, just powered down. Or whatever was powering them shut off. He goes, they all just crumpled. A blue piercing light shined on him. He's blinded. And then when his vision returns, the robots are getting back up. He's taken through several kind of rooms on this vessel. It's funny because it is, I mean, he's on an alien starcraft to be on all human understanding, but a lot of the stuff is they took him to this room, they hit him with a syringe, took some blood out, took him to the next room, gave him a box, took some more blood out, and it's kind of just this 
series of <laughs> series of blood taking, which here's the thing. If it was happening to you, it's the most exciting thing in the world. But it's not, I mean, it's not super compelling. It's just him getting his blood taken out. You're like, Jason, that's pretty crazy. Well, I want to get to the meat of this story. I want to get where they take him into this room where there's a monitor on the wall. And they begin to show him images. And they, these guys are not talking to him at all. They're not like telepathically giving him any information. They're just showing him images. And this is what they show him. Tell me how alarming we'll have a test. Which one of these are more alarming than the next? You're in a mason jar. Actually, he's out of the he's out of the mason jar at this point. They're poking him with needles every so often. There's a image that appears on the big screen. There's an image that appears on the screen that shows Antonio standing next to an orange ball, like a like a glowing ball. And then there's an image of a robot, but the ball is blue. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, I don't know what that means, but maybe the aliens trying to tell me something. They show him a image of a UFO factory populated by millions of these robots walking around. They show him a busy street with a lot of cars on it. Human street, by the way. You're like, wow, they drive cars? No, now we're back on Earth. They show him a peasant man on a horse and cart traveling down a road. Down a dirt road. <laughs> Jason, wait, this is more exciting. <laughs> this is more exciting than a guy being dragged from room to room and having blood sucked out of him through an unending series of syringes. Well, I'm I'm bleeding. I'm building up to something. Okay, I'm building up to something. <coughs> because what happens is now we get to the good stuff. Now we get to the chef's kiss of alien abduction stories. They show him a few more images. They show him walking down a street. They show Antonio a video of him walking down the street, carrying a shopping bag, teeth chattering, looking around nervously. Now that would be creepy. Because you were like, oh, that's not me. <laughs> I mean, like, it's obviously me, but I don't have that memory. So then you're thinking, okay, are they, like, threatening me? Or is this something that's going to happen to me? Either way, it would be creepy to see a video of yourself from a possible future. Even if it was innocuous. Imagine if I came to your house and I said, here's a video of you at the Golden Corral at the all-you-can-eat shrimp buffet table. You're like, I have a shellfish allergy. Ah, you're all dying. But assuming you weren't weak against seaborne entities, there's just you eating shrimp. Um, nom, 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 nom. More, please. Um, nom, 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 nom. Mm, dip. Dim, dim. Yummy. That would be terrifying. It would be so scary. Because you're like, that's not me. Like, that is me. But I didn't never did that. Think about how weird it would be if I showed you a video of something you may or may not do in the future. Just the fact that I had the video. You're like, when did you film this? I was like, I don't know, alien tech. Let me take some more of your blood. They show Antonio a video of him naked. 
Which, I mean, now you're really... Now you're like, okay, seriously, guys, where'd you get this video footage? There's video footage of Antonio naked laying on top of an invisible table. And the aliens, the robots are examining him. And then there's just a video of him naked, but standing up. So, I mean, here's the thing. You'd be like, what is going on here? Yeah, you can be naked and stand in front of a mirror. But imagine watching video footage that you did not take. I mean, it's a crime here on Earth. It's called voyeurism. If I showed you a video of you standing up naked, not walking around, drying yourself off, just naked, standing there, it'd be weird. It'd be alarming and illegal on Earth. But this is all well and good stuff. I mean, you're like, Jason, no, it's not. It's highly illegal. But I think the worst is this one. We only got two more images to go. One's terrible and one's curious. They've shown him standing up naked. They've shown him carrying a shopping bag looking nervous. Now there's a video footage. Now there's footage of him. <laughs> You'd be like, oh man, couldn't I have been naked for this one too? There's video footage the aliens present to Antonio where he's fully dressed. He's wearing his clothes, but he's going... <laughs> he's retching, and then all of a sudden... He begins to vomit all over himself. You're just sitting down to eat minestrone soup for dinner. You're like, damn it, Jason! He's video footage. He's watching video footage of himself vomit vomit all over his clothes he's like oh man couldn't i have at least been naked for this one he's vomiting he can't stop throwing up and that's not all because of course antonio said as he's watching this footage it's not just him throwing up just standing there throwing up he's also pooping his pants So, again, let's just, I mean, listen, you get abducted by aliens, it truly is like a one in a million, almost a one in a billion chance to have an experience like this. They take you aboard their space-age craft, they take a bunch of blood out of you, and then they show you video footage of you pooping your pants. That's just hilarious. I mean, for us to watch. Right? They should have been like, the aliens post this one on YouTube. He's like, ah, why did they do that? He's watching video footage of himself vomiting and pooping his pants at the same time, which is a feat in and of itself. I don't even know if that's possible without Ebola playing a part. And I would also argue, like, just move on to the next one, damn it. How would you, like, if I was watching video footage, of somebody pooping their pants. I, how would you know? <laughs> how would you know? You would, like, unless the guy goes, oh no, I'm also pooping my pants as he's throwing up. Like, it's not super visible. Like, I don't know, maybe he's wearing, he's wearing white pants. He's getting ready to go to the disco after work. Like, it's not something that I would obviously notice right away. <laughs> if I did notice, it's really bad. If you poop so much you can see it through your Levi's, then, man, you got bigger problems than aliens taking your blood out. 
Anyways, he's vomiting. He's pooping his pants. At this point, Antonio's probably like, come on, guys. Come on, man. What, what's, the, what's the point of all this? Did, like, the bullies in high school hire you to come and abduct me? They did show him a very curious clip. That might give us a clue of what we're dealing with. There's a video of a robot standing nearby a dog. We've done a couple episodes about aliens versus dogs. I'll put those in the show notes. It's a weird connection. There's a video of a big, angry dog, as Antonio describes it. Big, angry dog is just drooling. And then there's this robot standing there, and the dog's trying to get to the robot, but it can't. It's being repelled by some sort of force. The dog can't get near the robot, so the dog does what a dog does. It starts barking. Woof! 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 And then the robot melts. It just completely turns into a pile of goo. Splatters on the floor. After they showed him these visions, they took a little bit more blood from him. And they drew this, uh, they drew like three circles with his blood and then put an L shape through them. Which is weird, mysterious, right? Some sort of insignia. As Antonio's still kind of pondering this, the robots grab him and throw him out of the UFO. <laughs> They're done with him. They take him and he goes, I'm in this UFO. They throw me out. And I fell on the sidewalk. Now, he didn't fall like, you know, 1,500 feet or anything like that. But he goes, I remember... They grab me, they throw me out of the UFO, and then I just go. I hit the pavement, and I stand up. I'm right across the street from the Palencia train station. So I'm still in the same town I was in, but I'm nowhere near my house. I'm nowhere near my job, which that's where I was going in the first place. He goes, I stand up, and I look, and there's a robot standing right next to me. Antonio looks up and sees what appears to be a, he described it as the bottom of a dark balloon, a smooth, dark balloon slowly rising up into the sky. When he turns back, the robot's gone, but Antonio's bag is next to him on the pavement. But Antonio says, I left this bag at home. I didn't even have this bag when I left for work. So he's like, what in the world's going on? I have this bag. I'm on the other side of town. I see this hobo sitting there, wide-eyed. And I was like, dude, did you just see what happened? Did you see that? And the hobo goes, oh, yeah, man, it was a UFO. I saw that. I've been telling people all day long I've been seeing UFOs around here. Antonio realizes this guy's super drunk. He's not going to be a good witness. Antonio goes into the train station, finds out it's 2.50. 30 minutes had passed since he stepped out of his house. But he looks at his watch. His watch still says 2.20. So he sets his watch, gets on a train, and goes to work. He shows up with a lot less blood than he had when he woke up. The trauma of being kidnapped 
the trauma of seeing his future, which may or may not include poofing his pants. And he's like, oh, time to clock on. Click, click. So if you rode a bus on September 15th, 1977 in the town of Pacencia, you might have had this guy as a bus driver. He's driving around. This guy just got abducted by aliens. He's driving around. I don't think I need to say this, but he was super sick. He was super ill from everything. First off, all the blood being taken out of him, but he's driving this bus. His vision keeps fading in and out. Huh? Huh? <laughs> he's all checking his pants. He's like, oh, not yet. Huh? He's driving the bus. His vision starts fading in and out. He's really ill. His body, his whole body hurts. But... They don't call him the greatest generation for nothing. He stayed. He worked the whole day. He's like, nah, I gotta, I gotta do my shift. He's all pale and white. I'm like, hey, Antonio, do you got enough blood in you today? He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm fine. I don't like to call in sick. He's driving this bus. He worked the rest of his shift that day. Or the whole shift, because he got there on time. He went home. Slept. We went to work the next day. He woke up. He's like, oh, time to go to work. <laughs> he's traumatized. Yeah, like, how did he even leave his house? He's, like, looking for a giant UFO. He goes to work the next day as well. I think this was, like, a Thursday and a Friday. And then he's like, whoa, <laughs> only two more days till the weekend. As he's passing out. He does say, Antonio goes, says, listen, man, I was really sick, and I know... He was re-interviewed for this story by a local uh, UFO researcher named Irene Granchi. And and he's like, yeah, I was really sick. And I, I just imagine Irene going out sick. And he was like, okay, I know, I know what you're asking. Did I poop my pants? Did the aliens show me the future of me pooping my pants? Why? Imagine. Aliens show you footage of their own planet. This fleet of UFOs being constructed, millions of robots walking to and fro, and the next thing they show you is you pooping your <laughs> Like, that's just so mean. Why would you do that? You're like, oh, the splendors of the universe. Oh, this is so beautiful. We are not alone. And the next picture is you vomiting and pooping your pants. <laughs> but anyways... Antonio says, to be completely clear, I did have explosive diarrhea. He did admit to that. He goes, but I never pooped my pants. <laughs> he had to clarify that. Because why else would they have shown that? He said, I did have really, really bad diarrhea. I will be honest about that. But I never pooped my pants. Which I find hard to believe. One, <laughs> because the aliens predicted him. Two, he's a bus driver. It's not like he can just go to the bathroom. Anyways, he says on Monday he went back to work to quit. He's like, I can't do this anymore. My vision's failing. I am have severe mental health issues. I was abducted. I was kidnapped. Even if regular people kidnapped you, could you go to work later that day? He shows up Monday to quit. He's like, I can't do this anymore. I, can't, I just can't do this anymore. He shows up Monday to quit. And when he shows up, people are like, dude, you look awful you look so sick like e other people were realizing that and one of his co-workers are like antonio are you okay dude you look super sick 
And Antonio turned to his coworker and says, hey, can you do me a favor? And the coworker's like, yeah, sure, whatever. He goes, go get that hose over there and cover me in water. Just spray me down. I'm burning up. I'm so sweaty. And the coworker's like, okay, that'd be kind of fun. I wish my coworkers would ask that. I'm all spraying up. Be hilarious. But anyways, he yeah, the coworker's like, yeah, sure, anything, Antonio sprays him down, and Antonio just trudges away. He's miserable. He's that sick. He said at this point he remembers another image being shown to him by the aliens. He didn't... I think they showed him more images than he could remember, but he goes, when I was really sick, I had this fever, I had this headache. He goes, all of a sudden I had this memory of this image they showed me of me with black smoke shooting out of my back. A very abstract, very Lynchian image. But he goes, I think they were showing me the illness that I needed to prepare for. He said, I went to the doctor. The doctor checked me out. I was totally fine. I, I felt like I was in a fuge state. Is that how you say that? His mind was in a cloud for 33 days after the event. He just was kind of going through the motions. What's really interesting about this story, I mean, obviously, I mostly told it because of the pooping the pants thing, but there is another really interesting little tidbit in here. I want to say, too, I got this story from thinkaboutitducks.com. They got it from the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization Bulletin, Volume 26, Number 4, October 1977. So it was published shortly after the actual event took place. Really, like in the next month after it took place. What I find very interesting about this story is, and I'll try to keep it brief, what is one of the first things that aliens do when they show up to abduct people? They paralyze you. What is one of the most common things we see in alien abduction and even alien communication cases? Telepathy. Often you hear the stories of, I woke up, I couldn't move. A lot of times sleep paralysis can get confused with this stuff, but I felt myself paralyzed. The aliens show up and I hear a voice in my head saying, we're not here to harm you. And a lot of the times the human will also thank the reply. Like it's just all of this mental communication telepathy. Sometimes they talk. But by the time they're talking, things have calmed down from that initial experience. We also have accounts of people being attacked by gray aliens specifically. Maybe reptilians sometimes, but I mostly see this with gray aliens. And they get paralyzed. They're struggling to speak. They can't move. They can't even cry for help. And we've had several accounts of this. People who will... scream out for the help of Jesus or begin to pray and the aliens disappear. And the idea has always been, I mean, this is a logical conclusion, that prayer can keep aliens away. Why? I mean, you know, there's obviously a big move towards aliens are actually demons. But what if it's more like this? What if they are susceptible to sound waves? In the range of a human scream. Like what if that's their vulnerability? What if it's something that easy to do? And really it would actually not even be human. Because they showed the video of the dog barking. 
and making the robot melt. Like, th- that, that's what's so interesting about doing this show, is I could be totally off the mark, right? I could totally be off the mark, but I wonder if there is a connection. It's not necessarily the prayer to Jesus, which I find that story, those stories fascinating because it does add a different layer to the alien stories. But maybe it's just this the screaming and the shouting. Aliens don't like that. I mean, not to the point where it'll make them melt. It'll make these guys melt. And they had to have a counter for it. Once he started screaming, all the robots just basically fell down. They had to blind him again. So does this story give us a clue as to one of their vulnerabilities? We often talk on this show about how powerful aliens would have to be to do the things they do. To fly around, to teleport people, to build mason jars. To alter space-time. We always talk about the power level of an alien must totally overwhelm a human. But what if it's something that easy? And that's why they're using the telepathy. I don't know. It's just an interesting theory. And I know I think over time we can kind of piece these things together and maybe make sense of it. Because any UFO story on its own just is so bizarre. This one, <laughs> even with other UFO stories, is absolutely nuts. But I think we might be able to put together this collage and you could even argue even if all of these ufo stories are fake that it also says something about the human psyche and that is another puzzle that we can put together by looking at all these clues trying to figure out what it is but i think most of these accounts are real especially the ones we cover on the show i try to find ones that are real (laughs) whether or not they involve poop i do try to find ones that i think are real And exciting ones, obviously, because you're telling the story. But is it possible that this story could give us a clue on how to defeat not only the aliens and the possible upcoming alien invasion, but just the aliens that creep into our bedroom late at night? Could it be that's the number one reason why they paralyze us and make it so we can't scream is because that is an easy way to defeat them? Who knows? But what I do know is that someday when those alien ships begin to approach Earth's orbit and we see the vastness of their armada ready to take over our planet. There's only going to be two kinds of people on the planet when that happens. Those of us ready to fight. Those of us ready to defend Earth from all invaders. Or those of us staring up at the sky terrified, unprepared, and a pants full of poop. (laughs) Lots of poop. There's going to be a lot of poop in that day when the aliens arrive unannounced. So which side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side of Earth first? Or are you going to be on the side of number two? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. 